How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to episode 56 of The Way of the Wolf. So we're going to have a very special episode. It's going to be a joint show with myself and Mr. Philip Sessions. He is the host of the Entrepreneurs podcast. He's been on episode 21, if I remember correctly, from last year. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please go check it out. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Philip. Last time we spoke, we talked a lot about your career. You work for BMW as an engineer. That's changed since we last spoke. You have published a book, Mindset Over Motivation, which we're going to be talking about on the show today. But what else is new? What else is going on with you? Well, as well, the biggest thing is that I had a baby. <laughs> Congratulations. About, yeah, thanks. Yeah, about two months ago, had a little baby girl named Nora. She's the sweetest little thing ever. So that's really been the biggest thing. But as you said, made the transition from engineering over to HR. So kind of following in your footsteps a little bit there. I know you started in IT and switched over to HR yep. and everything. And so I've, I've made a similar move there and really enjoying the process overall. It's a lot different than I ever expected. But those are really the two major things that have happened to me over the, the last, I guess, probably about six months since we that's, spoke last. That's pretty six big. Or eight months. Two, two big things changing from engineering over to the human resources and leadership development realm. And then even bigger is baby Nora. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow, that's that's incredible. How old are you now? 30? Yeah, 30. Okay. All right. Congratulations, man. Thanks. I love hearing I appreciate that. it. So what, what big things happen, happen for you? Oh, man. So I think the big thing for me was doing this podcast every single week for an entire year. Um, started doing some some executive coaching. I've been doing that for, for about a year, but it's starting to pick up some steam, and I absolutely love it. It's just so fulfilling. And yeah, I hit some, hit some personal goals that I set for myself in 2021. And, and normally, I don't I'm not big on setting goals like New Year's resolutions. Usually mm -hmm. I will, I'll, if I want to do something, I'll just start focusing on it. I don't wait until January 1st. I just start focusing on it. However, this year, for whatever reason, and I haven't dug into the why behind it, but I decided, hey, I'm going to set some very specific goals in my fitness journey and in, in business and in speaking, which I want to start getting and doing more public speaking and sitting on panels and things like that. So nothing big like, like a baby uh, or, or major transition. You know what I will say? leading IT and HR for the past five years. And earlier this year, I did get the opportunity to step in and lead safety and transportation and start an ESG group as well. So kind of making those transitions and, and learning into those new functional areas. So those are the big things for me this year. Yeah. What is uh, ESG? So ESG is environmental, social, and government governance. Okay. okay. So it's really a lot of stuff that's focused on, for us, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. That's kind of the name of the game, which sounds a little bit odd in the oil and gas space because, I mean, we produce oil and gas yeah. or we help oh, yeah. get it out of the ground. But the focus is, is really trying to figure out, okay, how, even though that is our purpose and objective, we still got to figure out how do we reduce the consumption of, of fossil fuels in our operations. So it's really kind of coming down, establishing a baseline for what all of our fuel consumption is, and then figuring out, how, okay, how do we start setting goals and targets and reducing those? We've already made some pretty significant strides in terms of electric wireline units and things like that, but that's really the, the big area of focus right now. 
Yeah, well, awesome, man. And another big thing for you is this podcast room. It's an amazing room. I, I really love it. And it's awesome to be able to come here and be able to be in person with you and, and meet for the first time. I know, in person. <laughs> I can't believe we got this far into the conversation and didn't even mention that. So for all of you listening and watching, Philip and I have known each other for probably a year and a half or so virtually yeah. and had a, a lot of calls and video chats, all sorts of things. This is the first time we got to meet in person. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, thanks to Tony Watley and his group 365 yep. Driven. That's that's really how we met. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that later in the episode about the power of social media. So for you that are wondering about social media, you're online right now and you're like, oh, it just sucks. All it is is about COVID, negativity. When you get in groups like we're a part of, it's so much more positive than that. And you can really make these bonds that, that help out so much. And I know we've back and forth just helped each other out a ton, but Yep. We'll save that for a little bit later into the episode. So yep. I'll be looking forward to that as you're listening or watching. <laughs> so so talk to me a little bit about your new role as a leadership and transformation specialist. I, I know you and I went back and forth. And before you went into the role, we bounced some ideas off of one another and talked about it. Um, tell me how it is. Yeah, so a little bit of background. I know we talked at the last episode a little bit about how I was I was going to start working on the leadership and helping people talk about that. So this is a perfect opportunity for me. And as I got into the role, it, and it's where I've really transitioned a little bit to be a little bit more specific rather than just leadership specifically going in and how do you speak better. So it's kind of been a transition within my own coaching on the side. But I really wanted to get a different aspect than just engineering because I was behind the scenes and I wanted to get in front of the scenes and figure out what that business side was. So as I went and did my own coaching thing and eventually get out of the nine to five, mm -hmm. I could have that understanding of the business side and what it took on the, the human resources side and being around the other leaders and what good leadership looked like and what bad leadership looked like. Because in any organization, you're going to see that. And so I want to be able to see that and understand more about how to develop programs for a large organization and so i've really enjoyed the change it's been a very big challenge as we've talked a lot about both personally for for me as well as just within the role itself of instead of hey i can fix this problem by changing these programs out changing a couple signals whatever it may be now I'm dealing with people, and that is a way bigger change than dealing with a, a robot or a, a computer. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, it's a huge funny. transition. I, I was talking about this a few weeks ago on, a, on another episode about how going from a highly technical role as an individual contributor, whether you're an engineer or network server guy, infrastructure, whatever that looks like, when you fix problems, it's changing this line of code or changing this configuration. And once it's done, it's kind of done. Mm -hmm. Unless somebody else comes in and messes with it, it's, it's going to work. <clears throat> However, people are much different. You can coach somebody and give them guidance and help them out. They can have that aha moment and then a month later, go right back in to their old ways and habits of doing it. Mm -hmm. So with you transitioning into this role of, of HR, you, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges. What was one of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome so far? 
really dealing with the different people and organizations for, for me. So rather than dealing with just one small area and dealing with one computer, one problem, now I have to think about the, the way bigger picture. So not only what will my action affect, but who is it going to affect and how is it going to affect everybody? And what's the perception that can be from it, which is the biggest thing, the perception behind it. Not only the fact that, hey, I'm implementing this program or whatever, this new thing to help fill this knowledge gap, but the perception behind us doing that and how we go about saying it to the quote unquote public. That was a really big thing. It just I did I did the computer thing behind the scenes and so nobody saw it. But now when I go out and try and fill this knowledge gap, everybody's seeing it. And so the way I say it can come off very wrong or 20 million questions get asked. So I need to make sure the way I say it is very clear and concise as well versus I can just kind of tell you in being on the programming side, a lot of people don't understand it. So you tell them, hey, this is what I'm going to go in and do and fix. Uh, okay, yeah, if as long as it makes somewhat sense, they just leave you alone. You're, you know, they're smarter than me, they're a programmer, whatever. But when you're coming in and trying to affect the whole organization, they question that a lot. Man, so that is a good topic. I didn't have this written down on my notes, but understanding how you are perceived and being able to speak to the target audience. I was having a conversation with a good friend oh, a week or so ago when we were talking about the importance of kind of catering your message to the target audience. If you're going to sit down and have a conversation with C-suite executives, you're probably going to communicate in a little bit different way than if you were going to go have a conversation with engineers on mm -hmm. the robotics line, for example. Mm -hmm. If you do co talk to those engineers and you use the same same terminology and same language as you would talking to an executive, they're probably going to think, oh, who's this pompous guy <laughs> over here think he is, right? So when you think about perceptions and as you grow as a leader and, and start helping people out, how do you learn or how have you learned the best way to effectively communicate or identify who the target audience is and then kind of shift your your language and, and narrative that you're using. So a lot of it's been a trial and error, you know, really just going in and figuring out what actually works, what doesn't work. Sometimes talking to my manager ahead of time, or if I know the person a little bit or know their personalities, I'll cater the message to them. So usually your upper management, you're going to be a little bit more short and concise. You can tell them, what it is that you're trying to do, but more important than that, what the vision behind it is. Because you can't just tell them, hey, I'm trying to fix this issue because they want to know why you're fixing that issue. How is that going to happen? They don't, And they want to know more of the why than the how versus the engineer. They want to know the how more than the why. And it's like, I don't, I don't care why we're doing it in the grand scheme of things. I need to know how we're doing it mm -hmm. so I can actually go do it. Yep. So that's the, that's the biggest thing. And just with the engineer, you have to give a lot more of that detail too, because not only you tell them how, but you're telling them what processes are being affected versus the VP, the C-suite executives. You're telling them more about how it affects the business overall mm -hmm. which and why you want to bring this in. And you're giving them details, but it's definitely different details. And, and and how do you see it? I know you're more on that leadership side than I am. I'm kind of talking to leadership where you are leadership. So how does that look both from you having to speak I guess, down, if you will, to employees, but mm -hmm. also when employees speak to you? Yeah. You know, I, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head with, with a lot of what you just discussed. And it was kind of funny because 
that was a difficult transition for me because being highly technical and in the weeds and wanting to understand every switch and, and code and just everything that's going on to be able to effectively communicate to leaders, especially C-suite executives, they don't care or know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of shift the conversation a little bit and start talking big picture and the why behind it, like you mentioned. The only thing that I would probably add in, and, and I agree with your comment on when you speak to engineers and making sure that they understand how to do things and what specifically, like what the order of operations is, but I've found it to be beneficial to also share the why behind it. Because some engineers, and I'm, I'm not picking on engineers, I'm just using that. I mean, this could be a technology professional or accounting professional. Some of them don't care why. Mm -hmm. They just want to come in, punch the buttons, do their job, and go home. But then there's going to be others that maybe have aspirations for more. They want to grow. They want to learn. They want to understand the why behind it. Mm -hmm. That has been such a a huge such a huge learning moment learned for me was being able to understand hey these people need to understand the why behind it to be able to extract the most out of them and motivate them as much as possible so aside from that i, I pretty much agree with you on on everything that you said yeah, and, and like you said it depends on the person so you have to know which person wants to know just what they literally need to do and what person needs to know more of that why. And it, and it goes both ways. It's not just the, if you will, the engineer or the accountant or whatever it is, that employee, but also that C-suite executive as well. Mm -hmm. And then with that, just, just to give some guess, information, more background. So if you're talking to the uh, CTO, chief mm -hmm. technology officer, you're going to be talking more about the infrastructure, if you will. You're talking to the chief operating officer. You're going to talk about the operations, the people. If you're talking to the C CFO, I'm trying to get all these acronyms. Yeah, I know. So, CX. So many, yeah, that's a CFO. You're going to talk about more the financial impact on things. So you have to know your audience as well, which is a huge part of just speaking in general. And as I got into this position, that's, again, where I realized speaking was so important and having those conversations, having the right conversations. And that's where I decided instead of going with leadership, I wanted to transition a little bit more to speaking because I did the podcast, I wrote a book, and I realized more importantly, not only that people, they don't know how to speak with people, but people have a message that they should get out that they're not getting out because they're afraid. And I've been there. And Sean, I bet you've probably been there oh, too, where you're like, man, I, I don't know if I should do a podcast or not. Is, is pe are people going to listen to me? And what you didn't mention this, that you get like 700 downloads a month, which yeah. is really incredible for a first year show, especially from, you know, no offense, but somebody who's a no name. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. Is it's, it's incredible. I mean, my, my podcasts haven't quite done that. So <laughs> you're ahead of me on that. But it's just about getting that message out and really just impacting that one person. At the end of the day, it all comes down to one person. Yep. And so really speaking to that person directly, which I think you do an incredible job on. I, I appreciate that. And I have to also echo your, your comments on trial and error and just experience and exposure. I was coaching somebody, we had a call a few months ago, and, and she made the comment about how she really wants to get to a point where she can walk into any room in any situation, and and she made it, 
I can't remember the exact verbiage, but basically saying, hey, I'd like to eventually at some at some point be like you. You can walk into a room and talk about human resources stuff. You can talk about the operations of the business with the C-suite executives. You can talk about the IT side of it. How do you do that? And I said, time. It mm. really just takes time and experience and exposure. And yeah, I, we don't really have a whole lot on leadership here, which is blows my mind. I guess I probably <laughs> knew that it would come up. But as we progress as leaders, I think it is paramount that you give the people on your team exposure and opportunities to get in front of others, mm -hmm. to showcase what they're doing. And the thing that I find frustrating is some people, once they make it into a management or senior leadership role, they just think it's all about them. Look at me. Look at what I have accomplished. Mm -hmm. Me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. Man, it's just, it's not about that. And and while you may be able to deliver some sort of results short term, it's not sustainable long term. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but I think it is important for all of you leaders out there, give credit where credit is due. Put your people in front of other people. Give them the opportunity to grow. Oh, yeah. And, and it's so much easier at the in the long run at the short term, trying to relinquish that power, if you will, to your employees is tough because they're going to make mistakes. They're going to fail. But when they fail, that's when they learn the most. That's when they learn the fastest as well. And they know next time. Plus, you as a leader, that's a direct example that you can say. So, Sean, if you failed, you, you sent out a mass email to everybody in the in the plant or wherever the business. You, feel, you can me as a leader can come to you and say, Hey, Sean, look, when you sent that out, we probably should have went through and reviewed real quick about what that looked like, how that was going to be perceived, and maybe you could have worded some things differently because now we're getting inundated with a ton of questions, and so you can learn directly from that. So because of that failure, while it wasn't a great thing that happened, it still was a great thing because we could then sit down and talk about this instead of theoretically talking about why you should – proofread and make sure you're getting other people to look at this communication you're about to send out and everything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it helps you learn as well, but then it helps the leader learn also because now they know what to talk about a little bit to future people that have to start doing this as well. But it relieves you of time as well by allowing and empowering your employees to do some of the work that you aren't doing. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I'm thinking back to some of the instances where, so people on my team, on individual teams, they decided to take an approach on on a project that I didn't necessarily agree with or I saw some risk and, and I, I talked through that risk, said, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And ultimately, even though I didn't agree with it, hey, this is your project. This is your baby. This is what you want to do. I'm going to support you on it. Mm. And there have been times whenever it, it turned out beautifully and, and I was thrilled. And there were other times when it crashed and burned. And at that point in time, my role transitioned into providing cover fire, keeping the business and operations off of my team to give them the, the space that they need to be able to breathe and run through it and solve the problem. Mm. So a few things to your point it helped me better understand, okay, how can, how can I coach this leader so that they learn from this? But then also it gave me visibility into where their limitations are, where their limits mm. are and what happens to them once they reach those limits. Because I, I find it to be very beneficial whenever I know where the limits of the people on my team are. They're, whenever I step in and start leading a new team, I don't know where everybody's limits are. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times I'll push them, push them, or let them push themselves 
to a point of snapping or breaking. Now, not to a point where they're going to have a mental breakdown and go into the hospital. Yeah. You definitely want to step in before that happens. <laughs> but once you find that breaking point, okay, now here's a breaking point. Here's what happened when you broke down. Now let's see if we can set your new breaking point to 110% of what you were at before. And you do that by learning, hey, where did I falter? Where did I make these mistakes? And what can we do to avoid that in the future? So, you know, failing is a part of growth. It's a part of learning. You have to make sure that the business doesn't come crashing down in flames. So it can't be that significant of a failure. But failure is part of the process and it has to occur. Yeah. And and before I let you answer the question about that pressure and as you go up the ladder, so to say, how that pressure it gets handled. I've worked with both leaders that were, were over me that one leader would sit there and let us work on the problem, which really wasn't our fault, but we had to come in and fix it and the role I was in. And the, the manager just sat back and he talked with other managers and just let us build do our thing because if he wouldn't have been there to let us do our thing, which you knew we knew better than him, so that's why he allowed us to do it, but yep. gave us the space because those other managers would have been right there in our face. And then it's like, here I am trying to code and fix this, but then I've got a manager, so now I've got to sit here and turn and talk to them and, and while I'm still trying to code and answer their questions. And then I get distracted and I can't remember where I'm at in the code. But then I've had managers where they'll sit there and either just try and take over because maybe they know better mm -hmm. or they think they know better or just don't even block the way from these other managers. And it makes it so much longer and so much more difficult. And really, when you go back to that manager or go back into the team, you feel like you're not as valued because of it. So you get higher value by letting or having the manager let you figure out that problem. But when it comes to moving up that ladder, what is that pressure like? Because you know you just talked about how you have to let somebody go to 110% that's under you. But how does that impact you? Like as you go up the, the rankings, how does that pressure change? And if you didn't, if you weren't allowed yourself as you were moving up to be able to get stretched like that, how do you think that would have impacted you as a leader today? I think as leaders, it's part of our responsibility to stop pressure at our level. Mm. So if if a server goes down and the entire business can't operate, you can imagine every C-suite executive, all the senior leadership is losing their mind, coming down on the technology team, get it fixed, get it fixed, get it fixed. Well, as someone in charge of technology, myself or our director, my role or the way I view it is to stop that pressure at my level. Hey, you mm. can beat me up all you want. <clears throat> we need our team focused on fixing the problem. Once we fix the problem, we'll go through, do an assessment, figure out what happened, how to prevent it in the future. But right now you beat me up. You don't touch it. Talk to anybody on the team. So whenever I say stopping that pressure, you, you just get more and more pressure as you mm. progress. You do get a lot more pressure it's important that your team doesn't feel that pressure that you now you have to be able to make sure they understand a sense of urgency oh, on, yeah. on things. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as, as pressure from above, you have to stop it dead in its tracks at your level mm -hmm. so that the rest of the team can focus on execution <clears throat> and not worry about, am I going to lose my job because of this? Yeah. And I think really you as the leader, you have to then regulate that pressure because 
your team needs to know, especially when the pressure is coming from their direct mistake, mm-hmm. they need to understand what that pressure is. Maybe not get the full brunt of it, but if they don't understand it and you're constantly protecting them as well, you're kind of being that the helicopter leader, if you will, instead of helicopter parent, you're the helicopter leader and you're never letting them see what's wrong, what they're doing that's wrong or right, really, for instance, as well. But when you're not letting them know that there is this pressure coming and you're completely protecting them, that doesn't help them grow either. So they need to be able to learn from those mistakes, not only from you coaching them through or mentoring them through, but also just from the actual pressure that happens. And being from my background in engineering, you get to see that firsthand. You mess up on a program and the line's not running. That That's money. That's money that's being costed right there. But you can see that direct impact. Now, obviously, I don't see it coming out of my pocket. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's coming out of somebody's pocket, so you need to go fix it. But if you're off you especially like hr you're kind of away from the line you're away from the business side of things you're not seeing that direct correlation there so allowing to see some of that pressure really helps that's a good point and i actually wrote a note here <coughs> regulating the pressure i'm probably going to steal that from you there i'm going to use it at some point <laughs> in the future because you're right you do have to regulate it you can't just stop everything mm-hmm. I, i'm going to kind of go back on what i was saying a little bit you can't just stop everything but once the problem is fixed i think that's when you can release that pressure valve a little bit and start having serious conversations like hey we've got to figure out what happened here this is we cannot cannot have this happen again yeah well well you, i mean you do stop it still but then you yeah. have to regulate how much pressure you put on them mm-hmm. because that pressure should come from you their leader their supervisor mm-hmm. not from somebody external yeah i mean if obviously if it was a safety thing that's kind of puts it out the window. I mean, just you're going to have to come down on them however that looks like mm-hmm. for your company, however detrimental that was. But depending on the situation, but still it should a lot of that pressure should come from you as their leader and not from somebody else. Yeah. So still stop it from other people doing it, but you you and then and then you as the, their direct leader, their direct report regulate that mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah. Let's pivot a little bit. All right, let's talk about this book. All right, mindset man. over motivation. Well, that's like the the best book out there. <laughs> yeah, right absolutely. And I've got a signed copy right here. Ooh. Yeah, Philip hooked me up on that. So, what prompted you to write the book? Probably a couple of years ago, uh, wanting to write it. I was okay. Just thinking about that, and was, which is why I, I'm going into this coaching. That it took me a couple of years for to start a podcast. It took me a couple of years to write a book, wanting to talk about it. But finally, it was a goal of mine to write it, obviously, for a couple of years. And I finally said, enough's enough. Just back to your point about New Year's resolutions and how you normally just, whenever you decide on something, you start that goal then. You don't wait for the new year. That's pretty much what happened to me as well. It actually did happen around New Year's last year, so 2021 New Year. But I wanted to write it so I could give people information that I had that I learned from others and through my experiences as well. So I talk a lot about my fitness and how that's changed me and how I apply that then to my life and other goals and everything. And And I talked in there specifically about how I wanted to start a business and I want to start something on the side, but I spent three and four hours some days and mainly two, but you know, two to four hours a day in the gym And so my physique was great. I loved it, man. I was working all the time. I was a single guy, so it worked out a lot better than being married with a kid now. (laughs) But I was able to spend that kind of time. But then I was frustrated at the end of the day because I 
didn't have a business going. It was an idea and that's all it was. And I realized something's got to change. And of course, very obvious thing was fitness. It was not going to the gym as much, but it was still important. So I had to figure out where to change that. And just through all those actions that I took and being, again, being around the people that I'm around, especially somebody like you, it really made me realize, okay, I need to put this out there because doing these changes, these small changes that really are very apparent is what really changed the trajectory of my life. And so I wanted to get that message out for people to be able to understand as well as part of my legacy for my future, you know, at the time was future children. Mm -hmm. Now one hopefully will have more in the future, but at least my, my daughter right now. So to be able to show that, Hey, dad didn't just talk about this. Dad actually took action on that. And here's some words that you can go and read whenever I'm gone as well. You can have something else that's not just, Maybe and now with videos and stuff like that, you can have that too. But that's that's why yeah. I, I wrote all that to be able to give back to I, others. I, I love it. So how long did it take you to? So I, I've toyed around with mm-hmm. writing a book. I've got kind of two ideas or concepts. One's just a, kind of a general leadership type manual where you can go reference. Okay, what does effective communication or delegation? You can kind of just dive right into mm-hmm. those specific chapters. And then another book that I'd like to write is around integrations, kind of the the mergers and acquisitions and integration process. I've been fortunate to have been a part of about 48 or so integrations in, in my career, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Most people dread them because they mm-hmm. can be very challenging, but if you know what to do and the best way to, to integrate and to execute, and you understand that it's about the people, if not just as much, if not more than the processes and the systems, mm-hmm. it can be successful. So two, two ideas that I have, I don't know which one I'm going to focus on first, but how long did it take you to write the book? And what was the, just the overall process like? Uh, well, first of all, you need to focus on that second book. You went into way more detail about that. I could see you lighting up talking about that. So that's yeah. the book you need to focus on. Yeah. But for me, overall, it took about three months. Once I finally started working on it. Mm-hmm. I started finally about March of 2021 where I really started buckling down on that. I kind of dabbled in it a little bit, writing here and there at the beginning of the year. And finally, one of my friends, we were talking, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to finish this book this year. And he even told me afterwards, he was just like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to finish it. He's like, I thought you were just kind of saying that. He's like, but you did it. And I was like, well, I said I was going to do it. That's who I am. I When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And so it took me about three months in okay. total. Uh, but I had another friend that I was working with, kind of talking through it. And I had typed everything up. And I'm a terrible typer. I'm one of those, I can somehow kind of move every finger, but yeah. it's not like normal <laughs> typing. And, uh, and it was tough. And it was very vague. And he said, hey, I think he probably only read one chapter, to be honest. He's like, you, you talk a lot more than you type. He's like, okay. talk it out. And so otter.ai, I believe, or IO, one of the two, it's a software, a transcription software. And so that's what I ended up using. I, so I spoke my book out, actually. All right. And that made it way easier because, yeah, I like to talk. <laughs> so so I guess it, would, it would just transcribe everything you said automatically, and then you could go in and then make tweaks or adjustments. As yeah, as, okay. exactly, exactly. So it would make a file so I could work on every chapter and just kind of talk through things. And so I took what I already had, and I would talk through some of that, but then I would add to it as well. Is that way it kind of get me in the rhythm of what I was talking about, that chapter specifically, okay. and then start talking more. And, if, and it turned out to be about, 
80 or 90 pages. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I saw a short read, but okay. still something that was, and it made it a lot easier to read as well because it was like I was just talking to you versus like it's all written out. And I'm not one of those to sit there and be all eloquent. And I'm, I'm all raw and real. I like to just be one cut and done kind of yeah, thing. There you go. <laughs> so, so that's. So yeah. what about what about the the artwork and publishing? What was that process like for you? So that I knew I was going to end up going through Fiverr. So Fiverr.com. So F I V E R R.com. Went through them. And so it's a lot of people from all over the world that do those services. So I got one person to do the editing on it to make sure that, you know, my, my grammar was right and everything. Mm -hmm. And then I had somebody do the formatting. So for KDP or Kindle Direct Publishing for Amazon to be able to get that ready to go. And then also had somebody for the artwork. And so actually the, the original name was the fit my, or yeah, the fit mindset. Fit mindset. Yep. And then everybody was like, that sounds like fitness. And, and when I had the person do it, I found somebody I was actually pretty good that would actually do the artwork and, and make something is most of them. You tell them, Hey, these are kind of ideas I have. And they pretty much regurgitate that. So they don't actually get creative, but this person actually got creative, but be like, I called it the fit mindset. If he had like fitness, this and all, all this stuff. And part of it, I kind of did start out more fitness like, but I was like, well, this is more of a mindset book than fitness. Mm -hmm. And I had asked the group we're in, you know, mm -hmm. 365 driven. And they said, yeah, it's, you know, fitness. It's very mm -hmm. fitnessy. And I'm like, yeah, this is not about fitness. And so finally the name kind of came up with mindset over motivation because at the end of the day, even with fitness, with anything, you can have motivation, but you're not always going to have motivation and motivation is great to have and there's nothing wrong with it but if you're only relying on motivation you're hardly ever going to do anything and that's very apparent with with uh, the, the gym and so i talk about that and about how you have to have the mindset and the discipline to go through and do it and so yeah using fiverr and then the otter.ai and then ultimately amazon kindle uh, direct publishing to get the book out there was the easiest way and so okay. if you you can also nice thing with them is that they can hold the inventory for you essentially. So every book, when somebody buys it, mm -hmm. then they send it out or otherwise you have to actually hold the inventory yourself, which I have some of that. You know, I did buy some author copies, if, if you will, that way, if people wanted a signed copy, I could send that out as well. But all of it went through Kindle or not Kindle through Amazon directly. So I didn't have to worry about holding on to everything, That's nice. which is really nice. Good. So when are you going to narrate it? People have been asking me about that. You and should. I go back and forth. Is this kind of goes back to is it worth worth the time? And, I, and maybe it is. Uh, I right would now. say so. I mean, you know, here one of the things that I appreciated about it is kind of a short, impactful read, mm -hmm. which which I enjoyed. And so, you've already talked through it once <laughs> whenever you were having it transcribed with that service. So I, I would say it's just another medium because for me. I struggled to find time to just sit down and read a book, mm -hmm. but I'm on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I, f I find myself listening to audiobooks more so probably 65, 70% of the time I'm mm -hmm. listening to audiobooks. And so for me, that that's just another avenue that that's more appealing. So yeah, yeah. I don't know how long it would take to narrate it, but it, I mean, I would imagine it'd be worth it. Well, for me, probably not that long because I'm not, <laughs> I, 
I'm not that critical when it comes to all this stuff. I usually just I, I get it and I'm done. Like, yeah. I make sure it's it's good. It's not like oh my gosh, this is a train wreck. Or or speaking of that, there's like a train or a dog in the background the whole time mm. talking. But I know some people that like to have that perfection where yeah. I, I'm more about imperfect action. Yeah. <laughs> so it probably wouldn't take that long, but I just haven't invested that time right. into that. So you you're gonna write that book. What what are we looking at for this? Because you keep talking about. That would be cool. So when are we going to do that? Man, you know, so like I was mentioning earlier, I went through and I wrote my goals for for fitness and for business and for for public speaking and, and all of that stuff. But the book wasn't on there. And, and I don't know what my reservation is in terms of doing it in 2022. I'm thinking 2023. So like publishing it in 2023. To give me a little bit more time, more time. <laughs> I think that's really what it comes down to. I don't know. Again, I don't know why it wasn't on a goal for this year, but I'll set it for 23. Wow. I'll publish it in 23. Well, you said I drive all the time. That's the easy way. This otter.ai, I think it is. I don't know. A terrible. I, can't believe I can't remember which which one it is, but whichever one it is, it actually has an app, okay. so you could actually record while you're driving. All right. So I, I want you to think right. about that some more for 2022, as I know if you're in that car and you're just like me, where we think of all of these ideas to talk about. So even with that, even if it's not a complete chapter, if it's just some ideas on a specific topic you want to mm -hmm. talk about in that chapter, you could just let your mind go and just start thinking as you're driving because. Yeah. I know you're on the road for a while, and in Texas, there's, there's some a very lot of road. long roads yeah, and a very long are. distance between everything. You know, whenever I brought my wife over here the first time, she was like, oh, hey, why don't we go to Dallas? You know, I live in the Houston area as well, and I was like, well, you know, it's about five hours away. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, well, what about San Antonio? Well, it's about a three. three. So, well, what about Austin? Like, ah, it's about two and a half. And she's like, well, what's close? I said, well, Houston. Yeah. And she's like, well, where's that at? I said, about an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you know, an hour away and being in South Carolina now, like 30 minutes is a long commute where mm -hmm. for Houston, it, 30 minutes, oh, that's pretty decent. That's an easy drive. That's, that's no that big is. deal. That's an so, easy drive. Yeah. yeah. And so she wasn't used to that. So you definitely have a lot of time being here in Texas right. driving. So I want right. I want you to, to I'm going to push you back I'll on that. I'll put some more so thought you, on it. You, you can get that done in 2022 because okay. i think you can get that message out and that's a very important message and just like this podcast you bring a lot of value and that's a, another way for you to bring value and really will help you speak on those stages that's and so having that really have, having the book is a business card for you there's plenty of ways to have business cards the podcast is the unique way mm -hmm. so if you talk about hey i've got a podcast oh john you got a podcast that's pretty cool man but when you say, yeah, I've written a book. What? You've written a book? Like it's this, just another level higher of like things that you've done and things that you've accomplished. So All right. I'm just I mean, I'm just trying to lure you in to, to really you are do it. <laughs> setting that hook. But I mean, it goes with your other goals of wanting to be on stage. Yeah. So, Sean, what do you talk about? Well, hey, I've got this book here for me, Philip. I, I talk about mindset and mm -hmm. I've got a book if you want to check it out real quick to get you know, get an understanding of who I am, how I think, how I fit in with the audience that you're trying to bring for your stage. Mm -hmm. And so same thing for you. Well, you'll have a book that lets people know a little bit about you. And as you're building out your coaching business as well, it's a very 
cheap or, or very entry level fee to mm-hmm. get to know more of you. That's a little bit beyond the free podcast. So they're yeah. now they're paying just a little bit. And so mm-hmm. they're getting into that quote unquote funnel of mm-hmm. yours, even though it's not directly a funnel, you're just trying to impact people, yeah. but it gets more and more exposure to you in different ways than just listening to the podcast or just seeing you on social media or, okay, next step, I've got to, I've got to get you as a coach in order to get that next exposure. So here's right. a, a book. So like there's it. a lot of benefits to it. So those of you that are out there listening to this right now, you need to get that message out there, whichever way that looks like for you. So as, as you're seeing Sean here, you can tell he's thinking through it a I'm lot. I'm thinking hard. <laughs> I'm thinking hard. But what has you wanting to get on stages? Now, I just talked about how the book really helpful for that. But what's got you wanting to get on stages now? A few months ago, I had the opportunity to sit on a panel at an operational excellence in oil and gas event. Mm. And the topic of discussion for the panel was addressing the skills gap. I, I geeked out over it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And one of the things that I found interesting is many of the, the, the other speakers on the panel and, and many of the, the questions coming from the audience were all really around hard skills. And so probably 20 minutes into the discussion, I I kind of shifted it a little bit to focusing on soft skills because I I have this feeling that that hard skills are increasingly becoming commoditized. Mm -hmm. Anybody has access to Google, anybody can go on YouTube, and anybody can learn those skills if they decide to do so. Soft skills, kindness, candor, empathy. They're like superpowers these days. And especially with the great resignation and this pandemic and everybody having to learn how to lead people remotely. I think those are, those are topics of discussion that aren't really being discussed. And so I was thrilled and excited and a little bit nervous to get on this panel in front of all these people, but man, I loved it. And afterwards people kept coming up to me and introducing themselves and and asking for my contact information and saying, Hey, you know, I appreciate your perspective on it. I hadn't really thought about it. And for me, I think it just, my entire mission and purpose here is to help others grow, help others achieve the things that they're capable of achieving. And I think that's another avenue where I can get in front of more eyes, get in front of more ears and just help people and maybe it's just giving them a different perspective or a different way of thinking about things or if it's just the way i say it or the way i deliver it helps it resonate with with a certain person or individual so really that's that's the only driver behind it is just hey how can i help more people be successful because on some of my previous episodes i've talked with people about how for the majority of my career it was all about what can Sean attain? Mm-hmm. What salary can I get? What title can I get? And in my mid thirties, I came to realize that like that stuff's cool, but if you want real fulfillment, help others, mm-hmm. help others achieve the things that they're capable of achieving. That's, that's where it's at. I totally agreed, man. That's, and that's perfect way to be on stages. And, and really that's why I made a transition as well from doing only leadership, which there's huge value in that, but I felt more of a calling to help people get their message out because 
when I was young, I didn't talk at all. I was so nervous, and you would never guess that now, it, because I'll just talk pretty much anybody. Well, I'm just I'll laughing talk. when I was young, coming from somebody <laughs> ten years younger than me. I can't help but but chuckle. Which I, I, I'm going to pause you for just a moment, and and you and I have had this conversation of how much I respect you and how much you inspire me because you're doing all of these things 10 years before I, I had a chance to, to start doing or because I I didn't have the the guts quite frankly to mm-hmm. do it I was worried about what people were going to say and, and all that so anyways uh, please continue yeah, and, I just yeah, no, no I, and I appreciate the the compliment there and say same back to you even though you're, you're 10 years older <laughs> but, yeah, I mean you're you're doing it at least you're doing it not wait until your your funeral or if I guess you wouldn't say it at your funeral but on your deathbed yeah. saying that I wish I would have done whatever it is but the thing is I felt like I could do a lot more impact by helping people get their message out because you and I could say the exact same message. I mean, we're saying a lot of the same stuff here, and I guarantee people are resonating more with you versus me and then vice versa on certain things because they can relate to either or. And so even if you're saying the same message as somebody, you can impact anyone and you can impact that person better than I can, better than Sean can, simply because you're you. And so that's why I've made a lot of that transition to helping with speaking and you know doing speaking coaching versus specifically leadership because while leadership is important, it really comes back to your message and how you're speaking. And we've seen that with so many people that the way they speak is so much more impactful and not just because they're eloquent and they can make sure they're not saying um and all the whole time, but because they know how to actually reach that audience, which goes way back to the beginning. What we were talking about, about Mm -hmm. knowing your audience and speaking directly to that audience and giving them what they need to hear. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's why I want to do it as well. That's why I want to go on stages too, to be able to have that impact, which really, this is something I've had to learn over the past couple of years is that the more I pay, the more I pay attention. And I've noticed a lot of people also are that same way. And as we get into these groups on social media, which I think is a lot of why I'm doing it earlier than you is mm-hmm. because, you know, social media has only been relative for about eight years now, eight, eight to 10 years. Mm-hmm. So at eight to 10 years, that, you know, I'm that much younger than you, so you that's go. why things are coming along. And But these groups help with that. And the more we pay to be in these groups, the more people are just like us. I was seeing somebody on a group that I was in today. They're like, man, before I got in this group, I thought I was doing good. I thought I was successful. I was making 20000 a month as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And he's like, now I'm up at fifty or 60000 And my goal this year is 100000 a month. I'm like, dude, that is insane. But these are the people you're around. And so once you get around people that are winning, you can't help but want to win yourself. And you start seeing more and more of what you can do, what you can be capable of. And that is a huge power of what these groups are. Yeah. And and I would like for us to transition a little into that. And so what has been an impact for you on being in, in these different groups? I'm assuming you're a part of more than just 365 Driven as well. Uh, I'm not sure. Hustle Habits. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, what's interesting about this is so like as far as online communities, I'm admittedly not in a whole lot of mm-hmm. them. 
I find for me, I find more value in networking mm-hmm. in person. So I've gone to a few CIO forums and, and conferences, kind of like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of value out, out of those. And then as far as entrepreneurs, I enjoy having side conversations with entrepreneurs. Like we've had Chris Tarver and Henry Walker and Scott Well. We, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs come on the show and I find that I learn a lot whenever I'm around them or having conversations with them, which is, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, hey, surround yourself with the, with the five people you want to be the most like, right? Everybody says that, but there's, they say it because there's a lot of truth to that. So I'm not part of a lot of online communities. I'm not that engaged and active. And I think part of that reason is because I, I'm not good at online stuff. Well, I'm glad you didn't say old. I thought you were going to say old. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no I, um, I am, but... <laughs> no, you're not. No, man. I just... I, I, I don't know. It's just because I'm such an, an introvert. I really struggle. In the past probably few weeks, I've been pushing so far out of my comfort zone, making a post almost daily, whether it's a story or a post or something... And, and I, I don't always get to it, but it's just that social media aspect of it is something that I really struggle with. I do better in person. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because you're out there. You don't know who's watching it. You don't know who's looking at it. So it's a, a lot scarier doing it on social media. Mm-hmm. But to me, at the same time, it's a lot easier because you pull out your phone, you look at it, you hit send, whatever, you, you upload it, whatever platform you're on, yeah. and you're done, and it's mm-hmm. there, it's whatever. And yeah, if you're going to get tons of likes or no likes at all, who cares? Yeah. You're posting your truth, and somebody's watching it. I don't know how many times I've had people reach out to me directly and say, man, I really appreciate you doing that or saying that or you know, putting your opinion out there or being that example. You really motivate me. They've never liked or commented or anything on my post, and yet they're saying that. And I'm sure it's been the same thing for you, especially with the podcast, with the social media posts, which I noticed here lately you are posting more. Yeah, I'm getting there. So why do you think it is that people want to reach out? I, I have my suspicions, but why do you think people want to reach out to you directly as opposed to commenting on your on your posts? To me, I think they're they're afraid of other people seeing that they're paying attention to what you're saying. And some of the things that you say, especially if they get more vulnerable, they're more personable, that if they agree with that, then it may look bad on them. And I think some of that goes back to where they work at as well. Some some businesses really are strict about social media use. And I would say more like financial businesses are very strict on that. But just depends on, on who they are. And it could be family members seeing that because it, it can be – a little detrimental. I had a cousin, she or my dad's cousin, so she's quite a bit older than me. And I had, I had commented on a post that I didn't agree with, and it was about like gay people. Mm-hmm. Just and I don't remember exactly what it was. Several years ago, so she saw that, and she saw that. Oh, Philip commented on this. Well, she saw my name associated with it, but she didn't realize that I just made a comment on it, and she thought, oh, okay, something gay, because. Then I think it was a week or two before that, somebody, you know how guys get sometimes, they'll, they'll sit there and like, you'll make some kind of comments that are possibly like, you know, just like, oh, I love you, bro, or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. So I guess it was kind of like a gay-esque 
comment yeah. and so she saw that as well so then she tells my dad hey philip's gay and it's like what <laughs> that escalated so, quick yeah yeah so there are chances that people can misunderstand you so i, I could see where people yeah. would be afraid of that mm -hmm. but at the same time if they if they don't know you then they're not for you yeah yeah so <laughs> you gotta keep that in mind too so let's shift gears a little bit let's talk about setting goals we've setting kind of goals. been bouncing around uh -huh. this topic but and yeah, you've kind of talked through some some big things, but what do you got in the pipeline for 2022? I have another book in the pipeline. So okay. you'll be talking about habits, which I alluded to in my, my previous book, Mindset Over Motivation, but really talking about habits and, and really going into detail about that. And I've got a lot more thoughts on that, which really go into the goals. And I guess I'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. I've got... 12 stages I want to speak on. So I want to be on 12 different stages. And so that's going to be a really big push for me. Yep. I, in my mind already, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But that's where I'm like, I've got to stick with it. I've got yep. to really push to have that happen. 40 paid clients for a group coaching. So that's mm -hmm. a huge push for me as well. Mm -hmm. But I... I really want to make that happen because I really want to impact a lot of people yep. and a goal is to impact a hundred people. And so having those 40 people, I can have mm -hmm. those 40 people then impact one person and then it'll be well over a hundred yeah. by then. Mm -hmm. But I want to be able to really impact more people and then as well impact my life through that and be able to help people, which goes back to the stages and everything and then get, my my fitness back in in check so get back to some visible abs so fitness there <laughs> so i got to catch up with you sean and then i'm, I'm blanking out on man you got me nervous now. yeah <laughs> but um really by the end of the year i want to be out on my own full time so that's gonna be a big thing for me so by next year or be in a spot that I could make that jump and then maybe it's my wife gets out full time from her job and so we'll kind of see what that looks like. But that's that's really the, the big things for me going right. on right now. All right. How about for you? I like it. Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is I, I haven't set fitness goals for myself in mm -hmm. probably six, seven years. Uh, it's just, I it's mean, become you're just like, a, like super fit already. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You don't have to try anymore. I mean, it just happens. It's just, no, it's just, <laughs> I think it's because it's become such a habit and so ingrained in, in my life. And I've also come to realize that it's it's about longevity and balance. And it's no longer about, hey, can I go pull 500 pounds on a deadlift or bench 300 or whatever, hmm. you know, throwing the, these numbers out here just to, yeah. like, I can't do that today, to be clear. <laughs> but so, and it just kind of hit me about a week or so ago that, no, it was whenever it hit me. I went out to go run a mile and it took me like 7.40 to run it or Almost eight. It was like right around eight minutes. Was which this is, after I posted the mile and you it was. ran? <laughs> it was. So I was like, you know what? I got to go see what I can do here. And, you know, I'm used to running like around six or so mm -hmm. flat. And so it's I've, I've slowed down uh, quite a bit just because I never run. Mm -hmm. I rarely, rarely ever run. So I, I kind of set a goal for myself that I want to be in the best shape of my life is, mm -hmm. is kind of the, the phrase. And what that means is is getting back down to where I can run in the low six minute mile range. I want to have a, a decent bench and squat and deadlift again. I've just never really put or have not put a concerted effort in all of those, and I want to be well rounded. I don't want to be having back pains and shoulder pains and and all of that stuff. So 
best wanting to be the best version of myself and then say, hey, I'm 40, best shape of my life type of a thing. Nice. I want to do four speaking events, one each quarter is what mm-hmm. I want to try to focus on, whether it's speaking or sitting on a panel. And then I actually want to launch a pre and post workout. So under the the way of the wolf or something related to, to wolf. Mm-hmm. And because I just, I've been taking so many for so many different years and, and there's, there's things that I like about some and some that I don't about others. And so for me, it's really just, Hey, this would be something that works well for me and try to sell it to others. And if they buy it, great. If not, I don't really care. I just, I really want something for me, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. And so I've had people tell me that that is a cutthroat industry, but again, I don't like, I'm not doing it to make money. I just want to have something, something good for me. And then if others like it and enjoy it, Hey, cool. That's great. We'll, we'll supply it to you type of a thing. So those are kind of some of my big goals. I've got it kind of broken down with a few other sub goals of those, but those are the, those are the big things for me this year. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I know what you've been talking about, actually, we talked about it a little bit last year, but just with everything on my end, schedule got a little crazy. You're getting ready to have a baby. So it was like, eh, it was a little bit of a forced thing if, if, I, if we were going to do it. And so we held off to this year. And so we're looking second quarter, roughly, uh, for us to, to host an event as well. And so we've got to talk through that a little bit more we do. And, and really start actually getting it out yeah. there because it's, you know, you got to start that roughly about three months before it actually okay. happens so people can know about it and you yep. market it out there enough and people are almost sick but they still want to go to it they're almost yeah. sick of you talking about it but they're yeah. ready to go to it yeah so. all right so here's the thing <laughs> let's go ahead and dive into that a little bit what are what are we going to talk about in this event what do you want to focus on so i think really leadership obviously from from your perspective and then we're talking about really how do you speak to those people so really that the speaking and the leadership that combination i think is a really good combination to have together on that event and so well hey this is i mean this is really how goals happen so you have an idea and then you break that down i talked about it a little bit that each goal you have a a big idea and then you take daily action on it because a lot of people, especially with like New Year's resolutions, they have this great idea, but then all they do is think about this big goal that they want to accomplish, and it ends up not happening because they just think about that big goal. And every day, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Or I'm not there. Oh, man, I'm never going to get there. I'm so far away. And then they end up just dropping it. But rather than saying, I've got this big goal, and all I think about is a big goal, how do I get there? What are the things that I need to do every day to get there? So if it's losing weight, hey, as long as I've ate right today, went to the gym, and that's you know you don't necessarily have to go to the gym every day, but let's just say ate right, went to the gym, ten thousand steps for the day or four thousand, whatever it looks like for you. You do those three things every day, and you just keep checking that off, and so you've accomplished it every day. You've accomplished those three things. Next thing you know, you're going to lose that 30 or 40 pounds that you're wanting to lose yep. because you did those three things every day. So for each big goal you have, you need to break it down. But then, like we said, talk about it. What are we going to talk about? And you have to figure out those things. And, okay, oh, we need to do the marketing on the the speaking event we're going to do or we're going to host. And, okay, how many people are going to be there? And, okay, mm-hmm. when, when you start figuring those things out, and what little actions ahead of time do you need to do? So for us, it'd be finding a location, yeah. finding out a date that we're going to do it. Yeah. It's going to be two days, going to be three days, going to be two weeks. Uh, it's not going to be two weeks, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how long is this going to be? And then you start working on the aspects around that from there. So yeah. just to kind of talk about goal setting specifically, how do you goal set? You come up with a goal and then you break it down. So 
make $100,000 in the year mm-hmm. on your side business. If you're going to work five days a week or seven days a week, whatever that is, you break that down by that number or mm-hmm. how many hours and then how many clients do you need to have to make that happen at so much per client or how many products do you need to sell at so many products, you know, the price of that product. And you just keep breaking that down because then, okay, I need to talk to this many people. I need to have this many conversations to be able to close this many people and, and so on and so forth. And you just keep breaking that goal down into a daily actionable thing that you mm-hmm. do. And it could be seven steps every day you have to do, but whatever those steps are, and that's how you're going to get to that goal. That's a good point. And I think a lot of people, they get hung up on on this this big audacious goal and and don't take the steps necessary to figure out okay how do i back into that mm-hmm. like you're you heard a you need to get to z you're not just going to go straight to z you mm-hmm. got to figure out okay well i got to work backwards from here and then so i'm going to do b and then mm-hmm. c and then d and then j oh no i skipped a step i got to go back or mm-hmm. however many steps that is but th- I think that's a that's a pretty good process to help people understand that yes, you can achieve and attain the goals that you set for yourself if mm-hmm. you take the right approach to it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, don't beat yourself up if you set a goal to make a hundred thousand dollars on the side, and I'm using that as a round number, and you only make fifty thousand, but prior to that, you've made twenty dollars on the side. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty awesome feat to have made 50000 yep, <laughs> Even exactly. though you didn't make it to 100, you still were further than you were if you didn't even try. Mm-hmm. So. so that's actually a good segue into overcoming challenges. When you set goals and then realize, oh, damn, I didn't get there. I didn't get enough. Have you encountered that? Oh, all the time, man. All the time. Yeah. Like I said already, I'm I'm overcoming that challenge in my mind right now of, of speaking on 12 stages. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't mm-hmm. know what that's going to look like. But I know if I don't talk to people about it, if I don't mention it on podcasts that I'm on, if mm-hmm. I don't actually talk to people that actually have stages, talk to event coordinators that coordinate these events, mm-hmm. I know it's not going to happen. So I know the steps I need to take to get me towards that. And as I start building that process up, I can get better and better and it'll happen quicker and quicker. Yeah. So first couple of months might not happen. Yeah. But really just overcoming the, the, the obstacles is really just taking that daily action. Mm-hmm. That's what I've noticed has been the the easiest way for me to overcome that is as long as I know I'm I'm winning that day as mm-hmm. Andy Frazella talks about that I will win at life yep. as long as I'm winning the day because each one of us can think about the day yep. ahead I think what Tony Robbins talks about we we often overestimate what we can do in what one year and underestimate what we can do like in, or maybe it's 10 years and underestimate what we can do in one year or something like that that you know the different perspectives we often overestimate what we can do in a or maybe i'm saying the opposite i think it's overestimate what we can do in a short period of time mm-hmm. and underestimate what we can do in a long period of time yeah so if we just go ahead and stick with that long-term goal but then break it down on the short-term side where we can really get there and i think it's about it's also about building momentum mm-hmm Right. You can be you can be just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And if you look, if you're starting a business, revenue could just be flat, flat, flat. And then all of a sudden, everything just takes mm-hmm. hold and it just starts skyrocketing up. So I think that it's important to not lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that sometimes you can get worn down, sometimes you can just get beat down and think, what am I doing? I'm not getting any likes. I'm not getting any thumbs up. I'm not getting any, any engagement or what, whatever, but just keep going. 
just keep yeah. crushing it. Oh, totally agreed. And I've noticed in the, the groups, the entrepreneurs I've been around over the past couple of years, the, the magic number, if you will, seems to be three years. Mm-hmm. They do something for three years and all of a sudden there's this breakthrough. But it's because they were being consistent for three years. Yep. Think about somebody you've dated or your wife or whatever it is. If they were just kind of there, here and there, they, they told you they loved you every once in a while. And how would you feel about that? I mean, would you feel like they really, truly loved you? Mm-hmm. Or would you feel more loved if every day they showed you, they told you, they were there every single day, day in and day out? Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'd feel more loved on that second yeah. uh, that second scenario. And so that's the same way with your goals. You, you're not going to accomplish them by thinking about it, by, yeah, I'll do action here. I'll do uh, I'll go ahead and work out today and I'll maybe come back in a week and I'll stay on my diet for a couple of days and then go back off. You know, oh, it's the weekend. No, if you're on it day in and day out, it's going to happen. Yeah, it may take you three years versus somebody else one year. But it will happen as long as you keep doing it. So ignore what is going on around you. And that's why I I say go back to those daily wins. As long as you are winning that day, eventually that goal is going to happen. You're going to win at life. But if you focus only on life and what you want to accomplish in life, it's never going to happen. Because you're going to be just distraught. You're going to feel like you're not getting anywhere because it is far off. And it can be far off. And nobody knows how long it's going to take. You may get that lucky streak. You may not. But as long as you win every day, you're going to get there. Because there's no way you can't eventually win when you're winning and doing the right things every day. But, of course, you set some things up that you think will work out right. And make changes as you need to. Mm -hmm. Don't sit here and and set one specific plan and and do that for 10 years and then wonder why you haven't won. There, there are times when you are going to have to change that. But start with something because then you can see, okay, well, because I'm doing this, you know, if you're throwing, I'm just going to use an easy example. If you're like, I'm going to eat right, except for every Saturday, I'm going to have a pizza, a whole large pizza. Well, you're probably going to start noticing that large pizza is really holding you back. So you can change that one little thing on your fitness plan. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with going through your goals and, and setting those goals and the daily actions as long as you're keeping them the same, you can make a tweak, and you should make tweaks as you mm-hmm. go because it'll maybe help you go a little bit faster. But, go to a medium yeah, pizza. Yeah, yeah, a medium <laughs> pizza instead of a large. That's much healthier. Yeah, but but that's I mean that's a great point too. When you're trying to make changes, don't necessarily. I mean, you should dive in as much as you can, dive mm-hmm. all in as you can. But I feel like your fitness, uh, I'm a lot closer to that. I understand that a little bit more uh, from the psych psychological standpoint as well you can't completely dive all in because you're just going to crash and burn without a system in place but same thing with anything else you know make small changes to start and those small changes will add up over time yeah so what about you how how do you i should ask that question back to you how do you overcome the challenges Mm, i'd say kind of grit and determination mm. and momentum, kind of a combination of, of all of those things. Whenever I think, I look back in my career, and, and I know I've shared my story quite a bit, early on in, in oil and gas, I was just killing myself, working 60, 70, 80 hours a week sometimes mm. for for long, long periods of time. And I felt like I was just on a hamster wheel, just spinning and spinning and spinning and not really progressing in the way that I wanted to or a way that was meaningful for me. And I had Scott Wells come on recently and we were talking about how 
I reached a point where I decided, you know what, I'm going to leave the office every day at four o'clock so that I can make it to the five o'clock gym session. Mm-hmm. And and whenever I did that, I, I, I cut back on my hours. I was probably working 50 hours a week, something like that. But I started being in a much better headspace. I started thinking more clearly and I was able to start actually progressing more in, in my career. And so whenever I think back, I was, I was working all those crazy hours and I didn't think that I was making any sort of progress, but along the way I was learning. I was learning lessons. I was better understanding the business. I was, there was, I was understanding data manipulation and pivot tables and the PL and all of these things. And in that moment, I felt like I was just killing myself, just crushing myself. And then all of a sudden it just, it just took off because all of those lessons that I learned because of the grit and determination, because I had, I am not going to be beat. I'm not going to let this beat me. I just kept going and kept going. And then my career did kind of start this curve on, Mm -hmm. on the upward trajectory. And so for me, that's really what it comes down to is, is I'm very set whenever Whenever I set a goal for myself, I do make sure that it's it's pretty aggressive, but that it's also attainable. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to meet my damn goals. <laughs> it's going to happen. And, and it has worked out well for me. And sometimes I, I push myself really hard and probably harder than I should at some points in time. But I do achieve the things that I set out to achieve. And so for me, I have to boil it down to grit, determination, and momentum. Those are all the things that, that work for me. Mm. Oh, those, those are good, man. And yeah, you have to have, to have that grit to really make it through. Mm-hmm. So what's next for Sean? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So again, I think talking, getting up on stage, whether it's on a panel or speaking at, at four different events, those are big, big things for me. I'm really going to start marketing the show more mm-hmm. in 2022 and, and trying to partner with, I don't know, some sort of marketing firm or agency just to better understand social media, probably put a website together. All of the stuff I've done, you know, in 2021 was really focused on honing my craft, getting comfortable behind a mic, getting comfortable behind a camera. And I feel like while I still get a little bit nervous from time to time, I feel like I'm in a better place. And now I really want to start pushing on the marketing side of things. I don't know anything about marketing, <laughs> but I want to start learning. And so I think that's going to be a big thing for me going into 2022 is to just try to help as many people as possible. For 21, it was about my growth and mm-hmm. me learning how to do these things. Mm-hmm. 2022 is going to be, okay, how can I help as many people as possible do the things that they want to achieve? So how many people are you open to coaching? You know, I keep this kind of a, a small group at this point in time mm-hmm. because I do do it on the side. Uh, I like to stay, mm, God, usually like eight to 10 clients or so. And so this is one-on-one or this is, so this is one-on-one coaching. So it's usually like one hour every other week and kind of alternating schedules and weeks. And it's usually nights and weekends is whenever I have these, these coaching sessions. But 
at this point for the one-on-one stuff, I don't want to do any more than that because I want to make sure that I can commit my time and that I'm doing my research. And if a problem comes up, I want to make sure that I'm not just winging it and telling them to, to go run off a cliff when maybe they don't even have a parachute yet. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm adding value and I'm doing the right things and I don't want to overload myself because I have a full-time job and the stuff that I do. And it's, I just, I want to make sure that the things that I'm doing are, are highly impactful and, and beneficial and not just like, mm-hmm. Hey, pay me to coach you and, and it'll be great. And I'm just going to wing it. I don't, I don't operate that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. But I want to make sure that we understood what that was. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really what's next for me is that the 40 group coaching. Mm -hmm. So it's group coaching. It's not one on one. There's no way we just having the full time job, too. And the the full time job as a baby and dad. (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't do that. But with the group coaching, I I know I could keep that. And so basically about the same way with Mm -hmm. uh, every other week, we'll have one hour group coaching sessions really yeah. get together and talk and we'll have video challenges and stuff like that so that's a really big thing for me that's coming next is mm-hmm. doing that group coaching really opening that up for everybody as well as being on the stages like you to really make that impact you know i like that approach to, to group coaching because you're able to get perspectives from from multiple individuals mm-hmm. in the group and, and you have Maybe somebody works in oil and gas. Maybe somebody works for an auto manufacturer. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody works at an accounting firm. You In those group settings, you have the opportunity to get a lot of different perspectives from mm-hmm. a lot of different people. So that's something that I might kind of toy around with in the future. But for, for right now, I'm just focused on the one-on-one because it's, for me, very impactful and seems to be working out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and it really just <laughs> depends on, on the person, too. And we actually talked about this a little bit that I was kind of debating between if I want to do one on one or mm-hmm. group coaching. And I was really leaning towards the group coaching. But then mm-hmm. you kind of helped solidify that. And you said, you know, you seem more like a group coach. than a You do. I mean, you're, you're you're very engaging. And in the online communities that I've seen you in, you, you just work really well with people. And I think group coaching will kind of become a very good niche for you to, mm-hmm. to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you, you are engaging as well, but I know you, you like to have more of those intimate mm-hmm. conversations. And I know we've had a lot better and deeper conversations from the one-on-one perspective. Yep, so I definitely sure. see where the one-on-one works a lot better for you. Yeah. And you like kind of getting in that nitty gritty and really mm-hmm. helping out that individual. Yep. And so that's, yeah, we both have our, our different dynamics, but they, they do play well together, which is part of why we're going to start doing some stuff together yeah. here in the future. Exactly. I like it. So how do people contact you? Best way to contact me is really through social media. So whether it's Facebook or Instagram, I think Facebook's kind of my first full name. So we'll just do Instagram just to make it easier. Or well, actually, we'll go with my website. I finally got the website up. So it's entrepreneurs, E-N-T-R-E-N-E-E-R-S dot net. So entrepreneurs.net is the best way that you can find me. And how about yourself? What's the best way to find you? Yeah, so usually probably social media on Instagram, it's the underscore Sean Barnes. Thanks to you. (laughs) It was user underscore SB, so that is no longer uh, applicable. But yeah, the underscore Sean Barnes and then just Sean Barnes on Facebook and LinkedIn. I try to spend a decent amount of time on LinkedIn trying to post there because it's kind of more of the, the audience that I'm trying to focus on. Uh, that's usually the, the best or just SeanBarnes.com. So that, that works as well. Nice. Awesome. Well, Sean, this has been awesome to be able to do a joint podcast like this. It really has. enjoyed it. Hope that the audience enjoyed it as well. I'm sure they did. Lots of value there. Yep. So. All right. 
Have a good one, man. Thank you, you so much. <laughs>